Hello, everybody, and welcome in to The Wrap here at NRM Streamcast from the Jim Reels Friendly Chrysler Jeep Studio. I am Ethan Perlman, not Tom Mazowin. <laughs> Maz, we look forward to seeing you uh, later this week. But joining me in studio is Stephen and Ellington. Yo, yo. If you heard our last uh, last episode, we talked a lot about college football and whether or not it will be happening. But I'm happy to announce that we're going to start this episode talking off, starting off talking about the, De- the Detroit Tigers, who are a game out of first. <laughs> half game. Half game out of first. Thank you, Stephen. And... Um, I want to say to all those people that always told me that the Tigers making the playoffs this year or next year was ridiculous, hey, they're going to make it this year. Mark my words. Ooh. They're going to make it this year. And um, I just wanted to give that shout out to all those naysayers <laughs> that said the Tigers are going to suck. They're going to suck. Well, guess what? They're, they're not sucking yet. Yeah, they're a half game out of first. They're nine and five. Their best uh, best start to the season since 2015, I believe. And they won last night five to one over the White Sox. Four in a row. Four in a row. And uh, they're 500 now at home, and they're five and one on the road. That to me is probably more impressive. They're yeah, they're they're five and one on the road. Yes, their only two road series have been um, the Cincinnati Reds. And the who weren't they supposed to be a lot better than like yeah. what we've seen so far? I mean, no offense to Cincinnati, their pitching has been good. Their starting pitching has been good. Their bullpen's been for crap. Um, and outside of Nicholas Castellanos, no one over there seems to know how to hit a baseball. But let's focus on the Detroit Tigers, who um, won last night five to one. They play the White Sox again tonight and tomorrow. And last night's starter was Michael Fulmer. Yep. Went uh, three innings, didn't give up a, did not give up a run. Uh, then you bring in Daniel Norris, who I always said needs to just come out of the bullpen. He can't, he can't start a game anymore. He yeah, they, does. They be- just move him around too much, he, where he can't get settled into one role because it's like every time he goes out and pitches one role, then mm-hmm. two days later they got him in a different role. It's like let the guy just like settle into one thing, let him figure it out. Like I feel like that has been. For me, like his biggest issue is that they don't just put him in one position and just let him run with it. When you keep moving a guy around like that, I feel like it just kind of messes with him a little bit because then he can't just get comfortable doing one thing and just focusing on doing that one thing well. And and with Daniel Norris, and I've said this before, he's got good stuff. He's got good stuff to pitch multiple innings. He just can't be a starter. And it's something that might just be mentally in his head. Because coming into a game as a starter versus coming into a game out of the bullpen, it's two different things. Your your preparation's different. Your your men, your mentality can be different. And I think coming out of the bullpen, he's shown he's much better coming out of the bullpen than starting a game. And the Tigers are hitting home runs this year on a good pace. I believe they're up to like 24 now or 23. They're in the top 10 in all of Major League Baseball. And last night, they had the shortest home run of, of the year. And Jacoby Jones is inside the park home run. And I think it's funny because I was reading comments uh, on the video from, from Twitter and from Facebook. And, I, and I, it baffles me how many couch ball players there are in, the, in this sense. When they say, oh, the center fielder should have made that play. 
Or the center fielder, you know, he should have just kept it a single. As a former ball player and being on a former coach and being on a coaching staff for four years at college and working for the Tigers, first of all, I don't think people realize how quickly that play happens. Second of all, somebody, and I love this tweet, somebody says, where was the backup? That ball was hit to straight center. I don't think people realize how big the outfield is at Comerica Park. You can be backing up that play, and that's still going to be an inside-the-park home run. Yeah. That straightaway center is 420 feet. That ball maybe went 200 feet in the air and then rolled the rest of the way. If I'm in left field like uh, Jimenez was last night, it's going to take me a while to get all the way to the fence. Yeah, you figure. I can, he, he's I can probably got to run like— He's two two fifty. He's just running to get about two twenty five to two fifty. Yeah, and yes, he's got speed to go get the ball. But look at it this way: the ball was already in play for three seconds before you're even on your way back there to get the ball. If Jacoby Jones doesn't get an inside the park home run, it surprises me because first of all, he can fly. Oh yeah. And second of all, I, I it just baffles me how how people can sit on their couch and be like, he should have made that play. But I feel like that goes with, like, any sport it, it, it at, does. at any it does. level. Easy. Like, yeah. it's so easy for people to just, like, sit on their phones or on their computer and just, like, watch a play, like, on Twitter or something, mm-hmm. like a highlight, and just be like, oh, well, he should have done this. Well, anybody can say that when you're yeah. watching it on slow motion replay, but when you're actually there in the game, it's like they don't have enough time to think like that, but we do. Yeah, and you also got to think about that situation. The Tigers were already up 3-1 to one at that point. It was the seventh inning. There are two outs and a runner on second. That ball drops. Another run was going to score regardless, so it's going to be 4-1. to one. But as a defender, you're thinking, I don't want my team to be down anymore. I'm going to go all, go all out for this ball. Yeah, and he missed it. And that's the, the, the risk versus reward in that kind of a play. And I feel like, too, from looking at it this morning is, like, I think he thought it was going to hang up just, like, a mm-hmm. second longer. And then as he, like, reached out for it, it just kind of, like, went whoosh under his mitt so I feel like he thought in his mind like he could get there but then all of a sudden it just like somehow just died yeah and I mean there are there are coaches that will ream you out for not trying to make that play and then there are coaches that will ream you out for trying to make that play because as I said risk versus reward but last night the Tigers yeah they got the win but they also lose their first baseman CJ Crone to a left uh, left knee sprain yeah, that or one that's hurts. what they're classifying it as. Yeah, that one hurts the most for me because you mentioned earlier how their top 10 or whatever in mm-hmm. the major leagues and home runs, he was kind of their home run hitter. I think he led the team with four so far. He was he was only he, batting like yeah. 190 after last night, but he did have yeah. those four mm-hmm. home runs. Jacoby Jones does have five now. Yes. Jones has five. Jones has five. Top five. Crone, Crone Cabrera, and uh, someone else I believe all have four. The Tigers, a lot of guys have been hitting home runs. Which is nice, um, Which is nice. they don't. But I saw this article this morning, and I thought it was very, very interesting because as a Tiger fan, I don't know how I feel about it. The Atlanta Braves, their fan base has been calling out to their GM, trade for current Tiger starting pitcher Spencer Turnbull. Which is probably the last name you would have ever expected. <laughs> yes and no, and this is the interesting thing: is Turnbull has been doing great this year. You got you got his stats on here: eighteen innings pitched, four earned runs, eighteen strikeouts. He's two and zero in three appearances. 
He's a good young arm. And if you're the Tigers, if you were to get a legitimate offer for him and a good offer for him, I, I would actually feel okay with taking the offer because in your minors, you got guys who are ready to come up and ready to pitch, and that's where your strength is in that system. But at the same time, Al Avila has been, and I, I know a lot of people criticize his trades and his ability to trade and who he gets and this and that. But Al Avila's got stones. In every trade offer that he's put out in the past, he's tried to go after the best guy on people's teams or on their farm rosters to try to bring back talent to the city. And I don't think people recognize this. When the Tigers were trading Ian Kinsler, they were talking with the Dodgers. And, of course, the Dodgers put this down immediately. Ian Kinsler and a few other guys for Cody Bellinger. You talk about New York and uh, Matthew Boyd back a year ago. We want Glaber Torres for Matthew Boyd. You talk about, um, I forget the last one. Had to do with the Cubs. I forget the last one, though. Javi Baez, I think it was. for. Uh, yeah, I feel like yeah. I remember seeing that but one. But my, my whole thing is, he's got the stones, and he knows that some of these trade offers are obviously going to be laughed at. Bellinger for Kinsler. Yeah, that's a laugh. But I feel like it's more of a strategic thing, like understanding how to negotiate these types of things where you aim ridiculously high knowing mm-hmm. you're never going to get it, but then when they meet you in the middle, that middle's like really where you were shooting for, so then they feel like they kind of like tricked you into lowering mm-hmm. your deal, and you're just like, no, that's, that's literally what I wanted the whole time. And see, this is where with Atlanta, I am happy if we trade Turnbull there because I had an issue with the last trade Detroit made with Atlanta. Because I thought... That was Shane Green, That right? was Shane Green, and I thought we had gotten made when it came to the position player. We got Travis Demerit in that trade. Great defender. I think he still needs to figure out the bat a little bit. But Drew Waters and Christian Pache were and are still their top two outfielding prospects. I was very disappointed when we couldn't acquire either one of them in that Shane Green trade. If... Atlanta wants Turnbull. You think Atlanta has to part ways with one of them. Okay. If I'm if I'm Alavilla, Atlanta needs starting pitching. They need young starters. They're depleted. I'm saying you want Chris, you want Spencer Turnbull. I want either Christian Pache, or I want Drew Waters. A, they're two of your top prospects. Spencer Turnbull is a controllable asset for the future. And he's only like 25. And he's only like 25, and he's pitching well. Yeah. And Atlanta needs starting pitching, especially if they really want to compete this year in the playoffs. This seems to be one of the few times the Tigers kind of have some leverage in a trade. And I feel like, too, going back to Atlanta and trying to make this deal, if that's what Alavila decides to do, I feel like last year, if he was smart, he was trying to get those top two outfielders, like you said, Mm -hmm. and maybe they worked him down to getting to merit. So I think now if he goes back to them this year and he says, hey, if you really want Turnbull, you already know what I want. Like, we've done this dance before. Like, let's stop beating around the bush or whatever. Like, you know what I want. Let's get this done. And see, I, I also look at it this way, and maybe it's just because the Miami Marlins are somehow at the top of that division. We we all if, we already went down if, that rabbit hole if, last if, week. If I'm Detroit and Atlanta calls me up and they want Turnbull, my first call is down to Miami and saying, Derek, what do you want 
for Spencer Turnbull? Like, what are you willing to offer me? That way I can go back to Atlanta and say, hey, Miami's also interested. Up your offer or we're going with them. So you're you're. I, I want to play that mind game where, like, like the scene in Moneyball. Yeah, I was just going to say Where they're going that, back yep. and forth and they're like, he, all Billy Bean is doing is just throwing he's out just offers everywhere. And he's saying, oh, well, guess what? They're willing to offer me this. First person to call me back yeah. gets him. I mean, it's it's legitimately you got to make it like the money ball scene, except for in this case, don't don't ask for the team to replenish your fridge of like soda for two years. I, I'm not gonna lie, I really <laughs> hope that that was part of the deal. That actually was part of the deal. Oh, that's so that was a legitimate that, thing. That, that, that true? is just yes, so that was a legitimate thing. That's that's fantastic. Um, I and love it's that. it's great that the Tigers did that. I mean, that got me balling. <laughs> but I remember sitting at Comerica Park. I was working uh, at that time for the Tigers when the Detroit Tigers traded for David Price. And I remember the, the, the feel in the clubhouse that day because I was actually working in the clubhouse, not on the field that day. And when it comes to making a trade, you can tell when you feel like you've won it versus when you feel like you got hosed. I want the Tigers to have the same feeling if they trade a guy like Turnbull where you feel like you've won that trade. And what I mean by that is the day the Tigers made the trade for David Price, you got your GM coming down to the clubhouse with champagne. Like, top of the world, we've won the deal. We got the guy that we were going after. Um, But at the same time, I'd hate to see Turnbull go because he's been doing so well this year. Yeah. And uh, last year he did pretty good, but unfortunately the team around him just couldn't produce a win. But at the same time, if he goes and he gets traded, that's one more step closer to a Casey Mize or a Matt Manning or a Tariq Skubal coming up. And that's really what Tiger fans are excited for. So, I mean, it is what it is. I kind of hope a trade happens because, A, the Tigers can get more position-playing prospects that can be a big asset in the future or very soon. Um, but at the same time, I'd hate to see one of our, our stars go away. But, Stephen, you brought this up earlier. Um, Tyler Alexander, who is going to be making a start very soon against the White Sox. Tonight. Tonight. Where's his hat going? So, a few weeks back, he pitched um, three and two-thirds innings. I, was it against the Cincinnati Reds, maybe? Uh, yes, I believe it was. Okay. So... Yeah, he pitched in relief three and two-thirds innings. Um, currently, his stat line is 1.17 ERA, one earned run, 13 strikeouts. And the interesting thing about the 13 strikeouts, which has to do with, with his hat, is that in that three and two-thirds outing, he had 10 strikeouts, and nine of the 10 were consecutive, which set an MLB record for relievers for most consecutive strikeouts in an appearance. And so his hat that he wore in that outing will actually now be going to the Baseball Hall of Fame to be put on display. That's pretty dope. It is very dope. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny to me because when you think of some sort of record like that, you don't really think of a guy like Tyler Alexander. Like, you would think of, like, Mariano Rivera or Aldis Chapman, you know, Mm -hmm. whoever. But you you don't think of a guy that's kind of an unknown like Tyler Alexander. But we mentioned it with uh, Turnbull. Alexander's actually pitched very well. Like, I just read off his stat line. He's one of those guys in the Tigers' bullpen right now who can also act as kind of that fifth starter in the rotation when they need him to but he's actually pitched very well 
for them this year. And, <clears throat> excuse me, Gregory Soto is also another guy out of that bullpen that I think has surprised a lot of people so far. He's pitched only about nine innings so far, but he has only given up one hit, no earned runs. He has 11 strikeouts, and his whip is .22. Like, that's that's ridiculous. And he, he's one guy who a lot of people were like, put him in competition for the closing spot with uh, with uh, Joe Menez. I liked, and I, I forget who technically put this out this morning, and I completely agree with this person. The, if you're a closer, most of the time you're not in extremely high leverage situations. Unless it's a one-run game and you're facing the middle of a team's order with their three best hitters. Gregory Soto has come into games this year, two men on, nobody out, three strikeouts. Or, you know, two guys out, two outs, but you got to get four outs now versus uh, versus a typical three just for an inning because you got to go multiple innings. He's come in 99, 99, 101. And these are not just straight fastballs. These are moving. These are yeah. the, These are not things that are just right down the pipe that can be hit out. And I, I truly believe that he can be a great setup man. He could he could be a closer, but I do like him better in the high leverage situations than uh, Joe Menez, who unfortunately has been kind of hit around a little bit this year, not to the point of last year, and he's made some strides. But I think it's worth noting with uh, with Tyler Alexander that 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 outing he had ten strikeouts. Had he not hit, uh, accidentally hit Mike Moustakis with that pitch and then recorded the 10th strikeout, if Moustakis was his 10th, um, and I believe it was like a 1 2 count on Moose when it happened, which was even more heartbreaking, <laughs> he would have, uh, I believe he would have tied a record with Randy Johnson. And if you're a left handed pitcher and you're tying a record with Randy Johnson, that that only adds to to the, and, the credibility of who you are in that in that uh, record. Yeah, and I got a couple of things here, but and that goes back to my original point of when you hear of some sort of reliever record, you think of guys like you know, uh, Aroldis Chapman, Mariano Rivera, those guys that I mentioned. You don't really think of Tyler Alexander, and then you just mentioned it with Randy Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like again, those are all Hall of Fame caliber players, and then you got Tyler Alexander. So it's like he, he it just shows you how well. He's been pitching to start this season. Him and Soto both have, and Turnbull, like we've been talking about uh, for a while here on the show. But one thing I want to throw out here is I've mentioned in the previous show that I was going to keep an eye on that Big Ten Mm -hmm. announcement of whether or not they're going to have fall sports or not officially this year. And Chris Solari, who covers Michigan State for the Detroit Free Press, just tweeted out a few minutes ago, two sources tells the Free Press that MSU players were pulled from practice today and told the football season is canceled and that the Big Ten is aiming to be pushed to spring. Hmm. And then a third source at another Big Ten school also confirms no football this fall. Wow. And uh, as much as I want to say we're surprised by that decision, I I, I don't really think we are. Nope. Nope. And, you know, like I said, we covered it on the last show pretty much through the entirety of the program that really the smarter decision would have been to push it to the spring Mm -hmm. rather than trying to come down to the Big 12 or SEC or whatever and try to play there. So I do think that this is... Even if it doesn't necessarily feel like it in the moment, it does kind of feel like a punch in the stomach a little bit that there's not going to be any football this fall. But I do think that 
given the alternative, this is the right move to make. And then I also noticed while scrolling through Twitter here that the Summit League has also announced that they're going to at least postpone the start of fall season for their sports. And uh, the Summit League, I believe, not Division One football. Division, no. Division Two, I believe. Yes, I believe they're okay. uh, FCS. Yes. Now, baseball, you know, they're about a fifth of their way through their season. Yep. The Unless NBA, the NBA is coming up on the start of the postseason. I believe there's two days really of regular season yep. ball left, but pretty much the 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 brackets are not the brackets, but the playoffs are set. Yep. And I'm looking at the matchups that we have right now. Obviously, the West, there's going to be a playing game. It's official. There is going to be a playing game. We just don't know between which teams yet. Yep. You got the Grizzlies who are still holding onto that eight spot right now. We got the Spurs, Trailblazers, and Suns also in contention for that 8-9 play and, and all four of those teams, I remember when I was putting the rundowns together this morning, I thought it was really interesting that they're all now within a game of each other for oh, that 8th yeah. seed. And I think I it might say here somewhere in the rundown that, yes, it says that the Grizzlies held a three-and-a-half game advantage when this whole NBA bubble started, but then going 0-4 mm-hmm. during their group play phase definitely uh, killed them in the standings a bit, so they are holding on to that eighth seed, but by the thinnest of threads right now. And you know, we mentioned the Grizzlies going zero and four. The Suns kicked it into high gear and are six and zero. And tonight <laughs> yes, they play the Philadelphia 76ers, who are without Ooh. Joel Embiid. Yeah, who are without Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid might be done for the entire postseason with this injury, this latest updated this injury. Ankle? Uh, it's foot, ankle, something, something like of that. that. And with Ben Simmons not being 100%, um, He's gone. The, 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 the Suns have a legitimate chance of going 8-0 oh, eight, yeah. eight in this this eight-game, whatever you want to call it. The Grizzlies are playing Boston tonight, I believe. Uh, yeah, the Grizzlies have Boston they and Milwaukee, I believe, to end. Yeah. So the Grizzlies have the hardest chance of yeah, winning uh, their last two games. But looking at the East... My 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 team that I I'm rooting for, because I think they got enough talent and enough uh, chemistry right now to to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals at least, possibly the NBA Finals, is the Miami Heat. And I don't know if you guys watched this storyline, but they played last night and Miami beat the Indiana Pacers. But there's some beef right now oh, between yeah. Jimmy Butler and T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren, the MVP <laughs> of the bubble so far? Oh, I don't know. I think Devin Booker might be that MVP. Okay. Okay. Or Luka. Can... Luka's been All going right. off, too. But Jimmy Butler saying that T.J. Warren is not in his explicit league. I'm not going to say it on there. <laughs> but, Talk your mess, uh, Jimmy. But it's, it's interesting because I look at this matchup right now, and right now they'd be playing each other four and five. It would be an intense. It would be an intense series, and I, I I honestly believe that that would be the only intense series in the Eastern Conference right now, because right now you got the Bucks against the Magic. I, I don't really see a competitive competitive side there. Raptors Nets. If the Nets were completely healthy, there might be yeah, a, there might but... be a challenge, but they're not. Celtics Seventy Sixers. Once again, if the Seventy Sixers were fully healthy. Maybe a maybe a challenge. Yep. The Heat and the Pacers will be the series to watch. 
And I legitimately think whoever makes it out of that series ha- has a good chance yeah. of making it to the And Eastern we got Conference a good preview finals. yesterday we did. between that. And, uh, you know, TJ Warren came out a little. He had a decent first half, 12 mm-hmm. points, and then completely was shut down in the second half. Shout out to Jimmy Butler. And then I look at the Western Conference. And I think the polar opposite of the Eastern Conference. Every oh yeah, no no matter which series you look at, it's gonna be it's good. gonna be fun. Um, especially that four or five again, Houston and uh, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yep, Th- this will be the ultimate telltale. If if OKC were to upset Houston, oh, I'm sorry, you cannot tell me that uh, that James Harden and Russell Westbrook are on the same platform as Kevin Durant. You can't. You cannot. But real quick, as we're starting to wrap things up here on The Wrap, uh, one final thing about the Big Ten announcing their cancellation of the football season. Now, Yahoo Sports' Dan Wetzel says that general consensus in college sports is that the Pac-12 will now soon follow. Perhaps today, the ACC, Big 12, and uh, SEC will continue forward with football, at least for now, but everything can change with the virus. So the Big Ten's already said they're not doing it. The Pac-12 looks like they'll... Uh, be opting out as a conference uh, soon but then as we've mentioned on the previous show ACC Big 12 and SEC still hopefully trying to get their seasons going but not looking all that likely and once again to recap we talked Tigers we talked the NBA we talked the Big Ten closing down for the fall at least Uh, join us later in the week as Tom Mazaway will be back in studio (laughs) hosting the wrap with uh with Maz and friends and once again thank you uh Steven and Ellington yep this has been yes, the wrap <laughs>